You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. We started a conversation, a collection of conversations a few weeks ago called The Extra Mile. And we believe that God has called us to be in, in this, uh, uh, in this um, uh, arena this, of an extra mile to just not only um, to, uh, to call us to the first mile, but to call us into a life where God is constantly pulling us up and, 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 and the conversation that we're having today, coaching us up. And for that reason, sometimes we misinterpret what God is is trying to say. So I think sometimes in life, as you as you uh, consider, you know, if you're a parent or you're retired or you're a, a high school student, college student, wherever you are in life, I propose that there, there's a reality that every stage of our life has some things that are really incredible, but some things that are harder than we thought. There are things about parenting that are just amazing, just wonderful, but uh, but uh, there are also things, if we're quite honest with you as a parent, like, wow, didn't see that coming. There are certain things, I talk to people that are retired, retired, like, man, we love retirement, but boy, here are some things that are super difficult about that. I just talked to someone who has a, a two-year-old, and they, they had to take them to the emergency room, and, like, and she, she was in tears, and like, man, this is harder being a parent than I thought. Marriage is harder sometimes than we think. It's not, you know, we when we're standing at the altar, we say, oh, it's, you know, for better or for worse, and and sometimes we didn't know, you know, there are certain things in marriage that, you know, you have to you have to work at. And uh, even though, you know, our, it, it's a, a wonderful experience for so many of us, but it is also challenging. I propose to you that the faith journey is exactly that way as well. The faith journey is such that when we come to Christ, like, oh man, my sins are forgiven and I'm now a child of God and there's this excitement, like, man, I feel like I could start this relationship with God and yet we feel like, man, we there are things that begin to be tough about it. And one of the things is that God is constantly pulling us up. God is constantly saying, hey, I want you to be at a different level. I never forget one time I was standing on a boat dock and notice I wasn't on the boat because I throw up every time I get on the boat but I was on this boat dock and it was, I, I don't know boats, so I can't describe like how many feet it was, but it was kind of a medium size. It wasn't a canoe, you know, but it was a big, you know, like a fishing boat. And, and the person said, hey, Steve, let me throw you the line and you hold the boat while, you know, I'm, whatever he's doing on the boat, boat stuff. And so I'm like, sure, that sounded super easy. So I, I took the rope and to ensure that I didn't drop the rope because I didn't want the thing to float down, you know, the, the canal. So I, I wrapped it around my index finger. And what I did, I know it's stupid, right? Like, it's just further evidence. Like, something is wrong. I'm not, it's not all there. But anyway, so I wrap it around my index finger, and then there was just like this tug. It's just that first moment that you think, uh-oh, that's, that was a little, and then it just began to pull, and I thought I was going to pull my finger off, and I'm like, and I'm trying to hold him. Finally, I was able to like get the momentum going the other way, but in that moment, I'm like right on the edge of the dock, and I'm like, because I enjoy falling off stuff, and I was thinking, man, <laughs> and I feel like sometimes that like, hey, I thought this was going to be fantastic. I thought this whole journey with God was going to be easy. 
And yet we find things in our life like, man, it feels like the drift of things is pulling us in. And sometimes we blame God for that. And God is trying to say, no, I'm trying to bring you up to the next level. Today we're going to be talking about a tricky topic, but not in the way that you may think we're going to be talking about it. I'm going to talk to you about predestination. Everybody take a deep breath. (laughs) But not in the way that you're thinking, perhaps, because some of you that are really strong predestination five-point calendars, like, yes, finally. (laughs) But this is a topic that has been argued for many, many years. But there, there is a part of predestination that we would all agree about. And here, here it is. God predestined us, according to Romans chapter 8, those he foreknew, he predestined us to be conformed into the image of his son. What does that mean? All right, so let me give you an, a, an illustration. So let's say, for example, this is God a million years ago. And this is God a million years from now. And a million years ago, God foreknew what was happening a million years from now and a billion years from now. God foreknew that. And the reason is that he's not on a timeline. He's existing in all times. There is no chronos, chronological time. Okay, so I'm going to go. We're going to go deep here, but we'll be back. All right, so we're going to we're going to engage our minds at this deeper level. And sometimes I'm asked, okay, because God foreknew stuff, well, then that means he may he's making he's manipulating everything we're doing. No, someone said something to me years ago. I'm like, man, does that make a lot of sense? Here it is. Foreknowledge is not causative. Foreknowledge is not causative, okay? Here's what I mean by that. We see a toddler running toward the end of the platform. And like a, like a foolish pastor, he falls off the platform. <laughs> Just saying. I showed a film last week where I fell off the stage. We, we know it's going to happen. We're trying to run to stop it from happening, but we didn't cause it to happen just because we foreknew that it was going to happen. God foreknows. He already knows because he's living in the future. This is the book of Revelation. God never predicts anything. He doesn't. There is no predicting in a person that knows what's happening. I, don't, I predict the stock market's going to go up on Monday. That's a prediction because I'm not living in Monday. God could actually tell us, oh, I'll tell you exactly how many points the, the stock market's going to go up because I'm already living on, in Monday. You see what I'm saying? The book of Revelation is a revelation, not a prediction. The book of Revelation is a prediction. Here's why that's important. The story, as we said, has already been written We're just living in it. So God, in his foreknowledge, said, here's what I predestined. I'm pre-planning you. It's my destination for you to grow more and more in the image of Christ. Therefore, your whole life, I'm going to be coaching you up in order to do that. Are you tracking? Here's the second thing. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we're told that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has planned beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Okay, so God has these things in the future for you, for you, for you, for you, for me. Every single one of us, if you're a Christ follower and you've exchanged your old life for Christ's new one, God has something planned for you, a design for you that you should walk in it, but he won't make you walk in it. So he's saying, I've created good works for you. I prepare, prepare them in advance. But what he's saying is that you should walk in them, not that you will walk in them. All right. So here's the ladder. Let me, let me, uh, you thought we just had air conditioning problems. That's why we had a ladder up here, right? We're going to be talking about walking today, okay, and different levels that you should walk. So these shoes, they're just a pair of tennis shoes, and those represent your journey the way that you want it to be. That's your journey, okay? Then we have another pair of shoes that are a little cooler, and they're like up here, and this is the life that God has designed for you. Your life, my life, I was a concert pianist. I invested hundreds of thousands of dollars and thousands of hours into the life I wanted. Then God came knocking and said, I've actually prepared a different life for you. Nothing wrong with playing piano, but I had a different life for you. So you can choose whether or not you want to live the life that you want the rest, or you want to walk in the life that I've designed for you. Then there's a third pair. These are my coolest shoes. I only wear these on a certain occasion. Blue wingtips. Yeah, I know you're impressed. Were they used? <laughs> Of course they were. <laughs> this represents the God story. Okay? The God story. Here's what we mean. Regardless of I, if I live my own, if I walk my own journey and Steve's what Steve wants, or if I'm going to live the life that God wants, this doesn't change. Jesus is coming back at the appointed time when the trumpet blows regardless of what little Steve McCoy does. Amen. This narrative does not change. We cannot change it. All this talk about, you know, peace on earth, and we're going to bring peace on earth, and when we reach that level of bringing peace on earth, then Christ will come. I'm reading a different book, apparently, than you are, because the book I'm reading, the Bible is saying that when Christ comes, it's going to be absolute chaos. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. I mean, it's going to be like a pregnant woman, like, oh, God, please come now. He's not coming into Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. He's coming into the war zone. So here's the deal. And this is disturbing me more and more and more these days that I'm hearing more Christian leaders talk about what is your destiny as if God, his purpose is to come down into your destiny into your story. Oh no, it's the opposite. God has a story that's set. Not one word is changing. Not one letter is changing. He invites us up to the pre-design he has for our life and that story is part of his story. So we're not inviting God into our story. We got the privilege of God inviting us up to his unchangeable story. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. 
If you think that you can write your own story and that you're inviting God into you, then you are bigger than God. Watch out. Don't try this at home. So it changes everything. What if? Okay. What if? Because as you know, I'm every week in different parts of the world on Zoom, physically, that the story between this and this, this, from a human point of view, is a lot harder than this. Becoming a Christian in many parts of the world for God's pre-designed plan is a lot more challenging than this. And that's true for some of you. To say, hey, yes to God. So this is all we're trying to do is say, God, what is that, that design that fits into this bigger story? Are you following? In 2023, this whole year, my wife and I have gone through this journey. It's been a super journey. We've pulled in a, a guy that, that leads this, this journey, and it's all about how do you find your Ephesians 2.10 journey? Spend time enough so that we don't get trapped in a lower rung life that's just Monday through Friday because after a while, this lower rung life becomes boring. Why is my faith boring? Why is Christianity boring? Why is there no excitement? That's because you're living your life rather than God. What is the life that you've called me to do that fits into the bigger story? Are you with me? Are we tracking? And my life just fell down. Well, that's not unusual. So as we begin in, this, in the word today, we, there's a fascinating moment in Jesus's life on the, on the early part when he chooses the disciples. And it's always fascinated me, why did he choose those 12? Why did he choose Judas? Why did he have you know, one bad apple? Why did he have these 12 disciples? Now we're told in Luke chapter six, file that scripture verse, because I want to show you Luke chapter five here in a minute. But Luke chapter six, we see this, this decision. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. And he spent the entire night praying to God. I mean, we can easily just like read right over that. He spent the entire night, let's say eight hours when everybody else was sleeping. He spent the entire night with God. Why? Well, we're told. When the morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them. That's what, what's interesting is when you're reading the gospel stories, you can kind of sometimes think that this is the way Jesus did it. Let's see, okay, there's Andrew, there's Peter, okay, two down, ten to go. All right, there, you know, okay, okay, four, okay, we'll pick that guy, okay, all right, okay, eight down, four to go. And he's kind of picking and choosing as he goes. No, there were apparently more than 12 that were following at this time because after he prayed all night long, the disciples came to him and from those he chose 12. So there were more than 12. Maybe there were 100. We don't know, but there were more. And now I ask the question, what took him so long to pray all night to pick 12 guys? I mean, after all, it's Jesus, right? And it's the Father. So you kind of wonder 
I like, why didn't it go like this? Hey, Dad, gonna hit the sack here. Before I do, uh, Father, can you show me the twelve disciples? Sure. It's bump, 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 bump. Awesome. See you in the morning. It took them all night. Why did it take them all night? I don't know. I wasn't there. Sometimes I wonder, you know, kind of tongue in cheek. He already knew the 12, but I, I wonder if he spent seven hours and 55 minutes saying, Father, please, does it have to be Peter? <laughs> I mean, come on. Because I can foresee all this pushback on this guy. I don't know. Who knows? But what's fascinating is that there's a commonality in those he chose, and we will see it in Peter, the master pusher-backer. Why would he, ch to choose John, piece of cake, easy. You can read John's gospel. <laughs> Man, the guy was loving, soft, you know, all that. But why Peter? And I think he saw something in Peter. He saw a boldness. He saw a passion. He saw a, a, a lack of fear. He saw many things in Peter, but one thing stands out to me because in the previous chapter, in Luke chapter 5, he has an intersection with Peter. Watch this. When Jesus had finished speaking, Luke chapter 5, verse 4, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. Simon Peter answered, Master, pushback number one, we've worked hard all night but we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, we'll do the extra mile. I propose to you that God is looking for people that are willing to be coached up. God is looking for people that even though it doesn't make sense, my wife and I were talking about this, a micro step, He's not going to tell Peter yet that he's going to be a fisher of men, fishers for the souls of men. Peter's living down here on the lower rung, fishing, 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 and, and a carpenter of all people comes and says, hey, I want you to just go here because I've got a pre-designed step for you, and this makes no sense. But God says, I'm going to reach the world through you up here, and with you or without you, I'm going to reach the world with, with, with through Christ. If you want to be on board, Peter, fine, but I need to know that you're willing to say yes from where you're at right here. You're not going to see this. I get it. You're not going to see it. I'm not going to see it. I'm just asking for one rung of the ladder in the plan that I have to you. And he said, sure, I'll do that because you say so. During the prayer the following night, I have to wonder if that's why Jesus, or that Peter got in. Here's a guy that's bold, that's rude, that's undiplomatic, that's raw, that's rough around the edges, and he smells like fish. <laughs> but yet, in all of that, there was some pliability. I don't know, Dad, I like the guy. I like the guy. Sometimes I think people with bold personalities get left out. And that's too bad. 
But no matter if you're, you're bold, you're bright green, bright red, bright orange, if that's your personality, don't let anybody dismiss you as long as you have pliability in God's hands. Amen. So now we look at, at just going to kind of spot look at, at Peter and look what would happen had he said no. What if he would have said no to this? Shove out into to deeper waters. Go the extra mile. You know, we fished all night and we haven't caught anything, period. What if, the, what if it ends right there? You know what Peter misses out on? He misses out on these cool shoes. <laughs> the works that God has designed for you, that you should walk in them. You're going to miss this, but there's something much bigger than this. You're going to miss this. You're going to miss this. And when you miss this, listen carefully. Your life makes no sense. You're just a, we're just a living being on a planet, breathing, eating, working, having a little bit of fun. On, this, on the way to church this morning, I was listening to this song. It was really spiritual. It was by Tony Bennett. Yeah. It's a jazz song, and uh, he and the, the lyrics they they began like so much time has has passed, and he said we didn't get to half of what we didn't wanted to. We don't want to end our spiritual journey with God, and say we didn't get to half of what God had for us. That's not a life of an extra mile. Watch this. Matthew chapter 16, we're going to look at the pushbacks of Peter. <laughs> and as you look at the pushbacks of Peter, man, was Jesus patient. Good grief. From that time on, Matthew 16, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed. Watch. Not that he might be, but he must be killed. Top level story, not changing. Peter, if you're in, fine. If you're out, fine. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to die for the world. I must be killed. And on the third day, I will be raised to life. Like it, don't like it, get it, don't get it. That story is not changing. That's the story. Peter took him aside and said, never, Lord, because that doesn't fit into my agenda. Because I'm really burned out with Caesar, with the Roman Empire. And finally, you come into our world, and now we are big hot dogs. We are, man, we're big man on the block. Because we've got the future king on our side. And Jesus said, dude, you need to get a new pair of shoes. You're not, walk, you're not walking. Watch this. This is Jesus. We, some of us know the, the response. Jesus said to him in, in verse 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me because you don't wear the shoes of God. You don't have God's thing, the things of God in mind. You're wearing the shoes of men. You're wearing earthly shoes. You're thinking only of the things of men. And so what he's doing, we look at that like, man, Jesus was ticked off. No, he was a coach. 
He would say, I got to coach you up, man. You're in the lower rung. I'm tr- I want to use you. So I'm going to, I'm going to slap you a little bit and say, get behind me, Satan. You're wearing the wrong pair of shoes. This is how God works in our life. Remember in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus has just talked to finish the, the, you know, the last supper. He's getting, he goes out in a prayer and the last supper, he says a new command I give to you. And that new command is Love one another, right? A new command. Love one another as I have loved you. They go in the the garden. They're going to do the master plan. Jesus is going to be crucified. What's the first thing Peter does? Here come the soldiers to arrest Jesus as on the eternal plan. He whips out a sword and cuts the ear off of a soldier. As if Jesus was like, way to go, man. That's awesome. (laughs) Now I need you to take that guy's knees out and chop that guy's arm off. See, that was his story. That wasn't this story. So Simon Peter, who drew a sword, struck the high priest's servant, cutting his right ear off. What would have happened if we just kind of followed through with that story? Crazy, right? Now watch this. After the resurrection, after Jesus has appeared to them, Peter said in John 21, I'm going to go out to fish. I'm going to go back to my story. Because this is safe. It's familiar. Ah, I love the smell of fish. I'm with the people that I know. I was pretty good at this. Forget this story. I really forget that story, but I'm going to go out to fish. And they, and you know, his buddy said, hey, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got in a boat, and that night they didn't catch anything. Of course they didn't catch anything because they're living in their story. And you remember how what happens? Jesus shows up. He calls Peter to the, to, to the shore. He, all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and catch a bunch of fish. And then he says, hey, forget the crowd, Peter. I'm going to coach you up one more time. Will you love me more than these? See, I think this is the question that Jesus is asking us right now in this moment. Will you love me more than these? Sometimes Jesus calls us to the things that's a common calling. You know, disciple making is a common calling. No one's exempt. From, no one's exempt. Go into all the world and make disciples. And I know some like, hey, that freaks me out. I don't know. I've never done it. I understand. I understand. But Jesus would say, would you love me more than your, your life, your fear, your concern, your time. That's going to take a lot of time. Perfect. It's a big investment. Perfect. Some people struggle with giving of themselves, giving of their finances. We know the statistics for evangelicals of saying, hey, I, I got, you know, the economy's tight. I understand. God understands. And God would say, do you love me more than that? What micro question is God asking you to be part of the macro narrative? What one little thing would God say, I'm asking you, would you just say yes? Would you love me more than this journey? Because this journey for you, this life on earth is not going to be exciting. It's only when you take a risk and you say, okay, God, I'm going to say yes to that. Um, 
then, then let me end with this pushback. After the resurrection, after Peter said, yes, I'll, I'll say that, here comes Jesus one more time. When Jesus walked the earth, what he showed us, even in the Old Testament, if you look closely enough, is that even though the focus of God in the Old Testament was toward Israel and the Jewish people, he still opened it up for those that, that were not Jewish. You, you can see it in the Old Testament. But certainly with, with, um, uh, with Jesus, I sat at the well, don't you remember, with the Samaritan woman, you know, the people that you guys hate. The people that you, that you racially hate. You hate the Samaritans. I sat with her. I cared for her. I loved her. You remember that? You remember Zacchaeus, the guy that you guys all hated that collected taxes for the Roman Empire? I had dinner with him. You remember? And somehow that wasn't getting across, and Peter was still in this mode down here in his narrative because of his Jewish parents and his Jewish grandparents and his Jewish great-grandparents, and, they, and he believed that it was only a narrow opening of the gospel. So in Acts chapter 10, God shows up in, a, in the terms of a, of a vision. Why? Because he was trying to coach Peter up to the next narrative because the narrative of God that's not changeable is that God would love people in Vietnam, in Laos, in France, in Russia, in Iran, that God, these were countries that Peter knew nothing about. Peter would say, God was trying to say, Peter, there's this place that's going to be called the United States, and there's going to be a lot of people that need me, and I'm trying to broaden you out and coach you up so that you will be part of my story, Peter. I didn't come to be part of your story. I came to invite you to be part of my story, and you have no idea what I'm about to do. All I'm asking for, son, is to coach you up to a single micro yes. And what I'm about to do. He sends this vision. And this vision seems crazy for us. But watch, in Acts chapter 10, Peter in this vision, this dream, he saw heaven open. And something like a large sheet being let down to the four, by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds which Jewish people were refused. They, could not, they were not allowed to eat these kinds of animals. Then a voice told him, get up. A voice from where? From here? No, a voice from here. Peter, I'm trying to coach you up, bro. A voice came from heaven, from the upper rung. Peter, get up, eat, and kill. It makes no sense. I'm just looking for a micro yes, push out in the extra mile. I'm just looking for a yes. And of course, Peter said, surely not, Lord. As if God would say, thank you again for pushing back. Thank you so much. You're, halo you're so righteous, Peter, by not eating all these things. Your halo just needs just a little adjustment there. God is saying, man, son, you don't, you have, you don't know what I'm doing. And from the, upper ring, from the upper rung, God is saying, I have, he says, I have never eaten anything unpure. And in verse 15, the voice from the upper rung spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Son, that's my story. I know it's not your story, Peter, but it's my story. That every person in every nation, Jew, Gentile, black, white, Asian, Indian, woman, child, a man, teenager, 
senior citizen, everyone will have a chance through the Messiah to be clean before me. That's my story, Peter. Hallelujah. And I'd love to invite you into it. It's such an exciting story. If we would only say this micro, yes, okay, I'll push out to the extra mile in the boat. I don't know what you're doing. I didn't know you were going to call me to fishers of men. I had no idea. You have no idea when those micro yeses. I think I described to you, uh, for some of you, that probably about 10 years ago, when we first started disciple making here and we're, the tools were written, and other churches began to hear what was going on, and they asked, hey, Steve, think we could use the tools that you've written? And I said, nope. People want it, they can come and get it. And then someone who loved me enough to be honest with me said, oh, I see, Steve. You're building your castle. You're not building the kingdom. And then I cut the right ear off <laughs> with a pocket knife. Yeah, use a pocket knife. It worked just as well as this one. Just kidding. I'm like, wow, needed to hear that. And then, the, then the, you know, the tools began to spread. And then my second confession to you this morning is I thought, man, I can make a lot of money off this. I could start selling books as if God would say, way to go, Steve. You're right in the pocket. You're right in the bigger story here. There was such deep conviction in my life at that moment. I didn't know what it was. God was calling us as a church family and calling me as an individual, as a pastor, to a different level. And so I got away for a few days for prayer, for fasting. Something's wrong. Something's wrong between me and God. And I'm putting different things in front of God, like on the altar. God, is it my marriage? I think my marriage is good, but am I blowing as a husband? My mom was alive at the time. I was always busy and I always thought, God, is it, I'm not spending enough time with mom. Is that it? Nothing. I'm trying to be a good dad, but I know I'm busy. Maybe I'm blowing it. God, are you convicting me about, I was trying to figure out what it was that God was coaching me in that moment. What micro move in the bigger mile? Day one, nothing. Day two, I'm like, is it the money? Is it the money for the books? And I don't share this lightly. There was such a deep moment and experience of peace. I'm like, oh, I see, it's the money. Okay, I got it. It made no sense. I had no idea what the story was. He was just asking for a little bit of a micro move to what he had designed for me, for our church family. And in a hotel room, at an altar, I said, okay, God, I commit to you right now never to receive a penny profit from these tools. We make them available to the world, and let's just see what happens. We opened our first country. God opened the door to the first country, and then the second, and then 10, and then 20, and then 30, and 40, 50, and 60, and 70, and 80, and 90, and 100, and 110, and 100, we're over 120 countries who are desperate, who can't afford a piece of paper. 
because people are, have open hearts that are willing to partner to say we're partnering with this bigger story so that pastors in this, in this uh, 85% of American churches are 150 people or less. They don't have budgets. I remember when we started, I'm looking at my friends who started kids ministry. We couldn't afford to, to buy children's curriculum. You see, God had a bigger plan for our church and, our ch- and for this pastor to say, I know you don't understand it. And there's nothing wrong with selling books, but that's not the plan that we've designed for this place so that we might reach the world, so that the vision is to reach every country with disciple making so that they can grow up, so that we're creating not just spiritual babies, but a spiritual infantry so we can change the cultures of places like Nigeria and Iraq and Syria and all around the world and France and the U.S. and God is doing it from this corner just by one simple unknown don't know what you're doing God yes at an altar in a hotel room. Praise God. Yes. It's the micro questions that God asks. Will you just take your lousy boat and push out and trust me and say yes. Will you eat the stupid reptile Peter, and quit pushing back because I know you love your fisherman life, but tag on it, these shoes are cool. <laughs> I had to borrow them from someone else. <laughs> what Peter, what God was coaching Peter up in this moment was hey, I want you to meet somebody, he's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. He's a Roman. You would never darken the door. Your laws wouldn't allow you to walk in, even his house. About that time, the doorbell rang. Three guys standing outside. Hey, we, Peter, we want you to go somewhere. Took him to this house. And before he stepped across the threshold, he didn't watch. He didn't step into the house of a Gentile. He stepped into the predestined story that God had written for him. And he stepped into that room, and before he did, so you know, as Jews, we're not supposed to enter your house. But I'm going to say yes. And that's why I think Jesus picked him. Even though he's bold, undiplomatic, raw, there was something in Peter's heart that Jesus could say, I can coach him. He's going to say yes. So he steps in, and we finish with this. He steps into these non-Jewish people's homes, and this is what they say to him. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to the, everything that the Lord has commanded you, Peter, to tell us. And Peter began to speak And he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him do what is right. (laughs) Peter's wearing these shoes in that story. God invites you to do the same. Let's end with a question. Are you writing your own story and asking God to be part of it? Are you allowing God to write the story and realize 
that you get to be part of his. Let me pray with you. Thank you, Father, for this incredible story. So many times we don't get it, understand it. You have things you're planning we have no idea about. Sometimes a simple yes is all you're looking for at the micro level. To push the boat out, to eat the reptile, to say yes in a hotel room, to say yes in a, to whatever it is. God, so our, our question for you today, what is it right now at a very micro level are you asking us? What are you coaching us up? Maybe we're going through a chapter right now that is the hardest chapter of our lives. And you're just simply asking, will you trust me? I'm chiseling you into the predestined image of Christ. I've predestined you to be conformed into the image of Christ. And right now I'm using this hardship. Just trust me, say yes to me, say yes to me. Maybe Maybe God is asking for time. I know it's a lot of time to to get in a group, to get in disciple making, I know. But I'm just asking to say, yes, I want to use you in my story. Maybe God is asking you to share what he's given to you because you've held on to it and you're missing the joy of sacrifice. He's saying, God, just say to him, God, yes. Just a micro yes. I don't know how you're going to use this. God will never be sorry because we said yes to you. We'll we'll never be sorry because we've said yes to you. Could it be more difficult? Yes, but we won't be sorry because we get to be part of the macro story. Forbid it, Lord. Forbid it that we're writing our own story and inviting you in. Thank you, Father, as Jesus laid out in the, in the master plan, the master story, the master novel, that he was going to Jerusalem to suffer, to be killed as the Lamb of God, to be martyred, to be sacrificed in our place on a cross. We recognize God today, with so many people sitting in a room and even more people watching online that most likely there are people that have not exchanged their old life for your new one. They're still wearing their own shoes, walking in their own journey, in their own ambitions, in their own strategies and plans. And God, for this reason, you've invited us to wear a different pair of shoes. Through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the promised Messiah. He who was rich became poor for our sakes. He who knew no sin became sin for us, became sin on that cross so that we might be, if if we believe and trust, we might believe, be the righteous, become the righteousness of God. Thank you, Father, that you invite us for those who have never accepted an invitation to and to make that invitation to say, God, I want to change shoes. I want a different life. I want to trust in Christ. 
I want to live the journey, the, the story that you have that's unchanging. And maybe that's you. Maybe these words are resonating with you so much it's like a microphone inside your soul. And if that's true for you, it's God revealing himself. It's God inviting you to speak to him right now. And it starts with your need for him by saying, I need a savior, God, because I'm an imperfect sinner like the rest of the world. Would you begin there today? This journey, this extra mile journey with Christ. God, I come to you today, imperfect, broken, with my hands open to heaven saying, I need a savior. Is that, would you pray that to God? Would you speak that to God from your heart to his? Right now, God, I need a savior. I am a sinner, I confess. And I'm now gonna trust in Christ alone, not gonna trust in religion, not gonna trust in a, a pastor or a priest to get me there. I'm not gonna trust in my effort to become a better person. I'm gonna trust in Christ because none of those other things can, can make me right before you, God. Would you speak that from your heart to God? I need a savior. I am a sinner. I trust in Christ alone. Is that what you mean from your heart? I trust in Christ alone. And now, God, I'm asking for a new life. I, I'm at, I turn this life in. Would you breathe in me a new life? Speak to him. Could be the most... The, if you if you have this intersection with God, it is the most important intersection of your life. Don't skim over it. Nobody's in a hurry here. I'm a sinner. God, I need a savior. I trust in Christ alone. I exchange my old life for your new one. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful story. Thank you, Father, that we can, that we are written in your story. So, Father, we end this day and this time together by loving you, by worshiping you. And thank you so much for all that you're doing in our life, even when we don't see it. Help us once again to say yes to the, to in those intersections where you're calling us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.